This is episode 24, and this week we're talking about Megan the Fox. We're doing a double feature of Megan Fox horror films. We're going to be talking the 2021 release, Till Death, as well as the cult classic, Misunderstood, Jennifer's Body. It's going to be fun. Can't wait to get into it. But first, let me go ahead and introduce my co-hosts. Paris, hello. How are you? Hey, um, I'm doing all right. I, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> fine. Fine is what I am. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I'm glad to hear you're doing fine. It's always nice to hear. <laughs> um, Travis, what's up, dude? Welcome. What's up? You excited? Always excited to do the digest. <laughs> the digest. <laughs> episode 24. I thought you were just going to say stuff. And I was like, well, that's, that's it. <laughs> Would you expect anything more from me? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so this was, uh, it was Paris's turn uh, to pick the films for this episode. Um, we're going to start with Till Death. Paris, before we dive into the movies themselves was there anything you want to say about your uh your thought process going into picking these two yeah so first of all i'm not quite sure you emphasize the theme well enough that it's megan the fox like megan the stallion did i not i thought i did or meg the stallion. i thought he did well i want to i want to just overemphasize <laughs> it so everyone understands <laughs> Yes, it was it was a, a play on words. Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, I so it. yeah, I picked it mostly because I didn't realize till death came out in like March or June or whatever. I thought it had just came out because I kept hearing about it. So I was like, oh, she's got a new movie, and I've been really wanting to watch Jennifer's Body for forever. I haven't seen it, so I was like, what a great time, perfect. Yeah, till death came out like a while ago, like this year, but it's been a minute, so maybe mm-hmm. not quite as well timed as I thought, but. Um, I will also say that it's a real missed opportunity that I didn't choose to pair Ginger Snaps with Jennifer's body because yes. that would have been a perfect as, double feature. As we <laughs> talked about, yeah, it would have. Like, but what are you doing, my we guy? Wouldn't, we wouldn't have your killer Megan the, Stall- Megan the Stallion pun. So, you know, goes both ways. Matt, what did you pair with Ginger Snaps? Do you remember? That's a good question. Part of the reason why it would have been better to pair with uh, Jennifer's Body, when I can't even remember the other fucking movie. Um, no, we did Jennifer's Body and um, no, Ginger. Not snaps. Jennifer's Body. Ginger Snaps and here, let's let's pull up the list here. The hell. Fuck! Oh, I honestly yes. cannot. Which, drag remember. me to hell. Do not. Oh, yeah, that's what I hell. said. Can you guys hear you, me? Uh, you yes, like can hear you, cut out and then I think I heard hell. Yeah. Oh. I only heard hell. Cool. 
<laughs> I hope that doesn't keep happening because I am in a different room than usual for better sound. And apparently it's not working. So and apparently it's worse. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if that keeps happening, like, let me know. But anyway, yeah, we paired Drag Me to Hell, which I don't know how they're even the same at all like what was even female the led whore women dog come on <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. no i that thought such a trash theme I thought, I, I thought drag me to hell was more um feminist than it is you know i thought oh, it was yeah the theme was gonna be feminist horror and then you were like it's it's not because this is not that <laughs> yes <laughs> so it didn't really work out in my favor but you know here we are now so well, we'll be doing that in the later half of the show. We'll be doing Jennifer's Body second. So uh, first things first, let's talk till death, guys. So this is, as I said at the top, a 2021 release. Um, let me get the plot synopsis pulled up here. Uh, a woman is left handcuffed to, oh my god, I fucking hate IMDb. Right in the middle of reading the plot synopsis, a full screen fucking Hyundai ad just took over the whole page. I fucking hate this website. I mean, does it make <coughs> you want to buy a Hyundai? Because no. they're, they're one of our sponsors. Absolutely not. Fuck Honda. Cool. Uh, Honda. Yes, please. Hyundai. <laughs> no. No, thank you. 98 white Honda Civic, our biggest sponsor. Yes. <laughs> Uh, where was I? Okay, well, I'm just going to start from the top. So, a woman is left handcuffed to her dead husband as part of a sick revenge plot. Unable to unshackle, she has to survive as two killers arrive to finish her off. It's directed by S.K. Dale. Film stars Megan Fox and some jabronis. Who would like to go first on to death? Any takers? Or am I going first? Uh, Paris, it's your, it's your show. What do you think? Do you want to go first? Um, Paris said her computer just shut off. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. let's, uh, let's take a pause. Let's see if we can remedy this situation. Uh, we will be right back. All right. We are back. Sorry for the technical difficulties. We're going to get right into till death. Travis, you're first. Let's hear it. All right. So I watched this about three weeks ago, pretty much the day after we recorded our last digest. And the reason for it was I uh, had to go get my oil changed. And so it was the perfect movie to watch in the waiting room while waiting for said oil change to oh be over. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on. I gave this movie more than enough attention than it deserves, all right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you may find that uh, that is not the case, but I won't, you know, I won't play my cards. Go, go ahead. Um, all right, I'll continue. Then uh, nothing really to talk about here with this movie. It's uh, your pretty run-of-the-mill <laughs> uh, schlocky thriller with some implausible twists and turns along the way. And... Um, I think Megan the Fox deserves better than uh, this, you know, mm. run-of-the-mill movie. And uh, I, I stand by my letterbox review if you guys want to take a little peek at it. I don't know if you saw it. Um, I originally 
Home Alone meets uh, fucking Gerald's Game, but directed by some guy. Man, you butchered it. <laughs> it was a very well-written sentence. Let's uh, Gerald's, game, <laughs> Gerald's Game meets Home Alone in the style of a Dion Taylor thriller. And if you don't know who Dion Taylor is, he has directed such trash as Traffic... Mm. Um, not the Steven the, uh, Soderbergh classic? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he ghost directed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a Toby Hooper, uh, Steven Spielberg type situation. No, Traffic yeah. with a K came out a few years ago. Is that the one where people are sexually attracted to cars or car accidents? That's Crash. No, that was Crash. He also oh. did uh, Fatal with, uh, what's her face? Hillary Swank, like a year ago or so. He did The Intruder uh, with, uh, what's his face? Just a bunch of movies no one's heard of. Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I mean, they're like, you know, they're, they look good, I guess. Like they, they're like shot well and, but beyond that, they're pretty silly and just kind of implausible, I guess. And which, which of his films have you actually watched? I've actually seen The Intruder, Fatal, and Traffic. Okay. I was going to be like, but you haven't even seen his movies. How do you know? But you actually uh, subjected yourself to that stuff, huh? Mm-hmm. More than one. So I oh, stand man. by my review. <laughs> You're a super fan, <laughs> bud. <laughs> I also love that there's apparently so little to talk about this movie that we're talking about other movies already. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Travis' well, one-sentence letterbox review. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that's all there is to say about this. I mean, yeah, it was it was like I guess mildly entertaining if you just like, you know, turn your brain off and are just looking for something very run of the mill, but I just I don't think there's much there. Any of the things that try and like go deeper or actually say something or, you know, some sort of theme or metaphor, I just feel like feels a little too like obvious around the nose and it's just all surrounded by this like very generic thriller. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, I think Till Death is a perfectly competent, satisfying thriller movie. I was <laughs> start to finish. I was I was never bored. It was entertaining. Um, there's, you know, some issues with, with, with plausibility, but it never like fully broke my like I never had to fully suspend disbelief at any point like it is silly at times but it like it never there was no singular moment where I was like wow that's fucking stupid like I don't know if you guys ever saw but do you remember that movie from like a year or two ago uh Becky with Kevin Kevin James where he's like a neo-nazi murderer guy. I haven't heard of that. I recall it, but I never saw it. It's, that is a movie that is similar in tone, you know, like a like a home invasion type kind of thriller, but that movie had several laugh out loud, just like, what the fuck? This is horrible moments. Till Death didn't have that for me. The performances are, are fine. It, it's well directed. You know, there's really not any like flourishes that make it pop or like really particularly interesting but i feel like it's set out to do you know 
this sort of like kind of schlocky thriller 80 it's like 85 minutes like 90 minutes with the the credits or something 85 minutes actual runtime it was you know it entertained me i thought it did its job i thought it was perfectly fine Hmm. yeah but i feel like your expectations played into you you know like i feel like you had low expectations going in so therefore you were more willing to accept it for what it is i didn't have any expectations i thought this was the other megan fox movie that came out this year night teeth wait what is that wait what there's a different megan fox movie that came out this year where she's like a vampire I thought something? this was that too. Oh, I picked the wrong movie. <laughs> Damn it. So I had zero expectations because I thought we were going to get into a vampire movie. And then I saw Travis's letterbox review and I was like, wait, is this not a vampire movie? Okay. The whole time I was like, so it gets building up and you're like, okay, this is just Gerald's game, home alone horror movie. Like, okay, we're, we're in it. We're Nailed in it. it. Right. That's I, I know as soon as you said that I was like, those are two direct notes from my phone right now. But I was like at the beginning I was like, So when do they become vampires? Or is she already a vampire? Is that why she's at night meeting this man and she's like, I can't be with you? That's what I thought in the beginning. She was this gonna be like, I can't be with you as you were I'm a watching. vampire. <laughs> yes. I literally thought as I was watching the movie at the beginning scene, she's breaking up with her boyfriend. I thought she was like, I can't be with you. And it was going to be like revealed that she was a vampire. And that's why she couldn't be with him. But plot twist on me. This was not that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Well, so Night Teeth on Letterbox has a 2.4 average rating. So apparently what does till death have a three a 3.0 okay so i don't think we necessarily fucked up but going into this i thought it was that movie but you guys know how much i love vampire movies i think i (laughs) fucked up (laughs) both work i mean but yeah this one might have made a little more sense but maybe not because it doesn't seem like megan fox is even that big of a like role in this one unless i'm in night teeth um, you mean yeah i'm watching the trailer right now and i haven't even seen her pop up yet mm. well her her, cameo her, in, her and sydney sweeney i think are the vampires mm. but they they're like not the main characters of the film you love seeing uh, sydney sweeney don't you travis yeah i mean don't you yeah dude <laughs> <laughs> Who is Sydney Love Sydney? Megan Fox, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, for a lot of the same reasons. Um, <laughs> Sydney Sweeney was in uh, Sharp Objects and um, The White Lotus. Um, oh, was she's she in the younger sister now. in Sharp Objects? The little sister, yes. Oh, wait. How old Amy, Amy Adams' little sister. She's like 23, 24, something like that. Okay. Old enough, but Sharp Objects yeah. was a couple of years ago. I was like, sure, and sh- that's why I asked because in Sharp Objects <laughs> she was like a literal child. Yes, <laughs> I was like, well, I don't love that. <laughs> um, so Paris, having said that, and it wasn't the movie you expected. <laughs> what did you end up thinking? 
Yeah, so obviously I was a little disappointed that Megan Fox turned out to not be a vampire and she was just a regular wife stuck in a toxic relationship with a controlling husband who apparently, you know, decided to like up and unalive himself and was just like taking you down with me, bitch. Um, yeah, I, so I can best describe this as Gerald's game, but worse and I really did not like Gerald's game. So that's why I'm like, maybe I did fuck up with this one. So honestly, the movie had me from the beginning not enjoying it because T-I-L-L is not, is not the correct way to say that. Till death is short for until death. Mm-hmm. So it should be apostrophe T-I-L. That is or just the proper T-I-L way. with one L. Even T-I-L would be fine, not totally correct, but like fine. T-I-L-L is nothing. (laughs) Till is like what you do to a field. It doesn't mean anything in this context. And it was very annoying as a former grammar person. Um, Like as a former copy editor, I was like, I hate this. I want to die. Um, I was like, oh, you just gave up grammar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was then. This is now. <laughs> I no longer, I'm no longer so crazy about grammar, but th- stuff like that really bothers me. So the movie already had me like at a disadvantage. And then, yeah, like it was. So one of my biggest qualms with this movie is that Megan Fox is doing a perfectly adequate job. I don't think it's her best acting role. I don't think it's her worst. I think she's doing well enough with what she can. Except, but the writing and directing is so odd. Like how she, she seems overly competent. I appreciated that she was smart and savvy and that she seemed to be able to get herself out of stuff. I liked the, that she was not really a damsel in distress, despite the horrific situation. Except that she didn't have any background of like, oh, she's a survivalist, or she's like training to be a Navy SEAL or something, so she has all this like wherewithal about her. Nope, she's just a photographer, and yet she seems to know exactly what to do in every single second without even thinking about it. It's because she saw the movie, The Survivalist. That's all it takes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just, I don't know. No, I, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I mean, there was definitely some struggle to, you know, keep you, um, like, in suspense. But, yeah, she did seem more capable than her character should have been, just based on what we know and learn about her before it gets into the story i i I, I totally see like i totally see that point but again it it never for me like yeah she's in these situations where she just comes up with the exact right response to get out of a given situation but it wasn't like full-on home alone level where it's like there's no way a seven-year-old could rig like a blowtorch trap you know like it never really fully jumped the shark like it just Mm. she was just a really clever you know what i mean i disagree i like i think survivalist is a stretch i don't think there's really anything in particular she did where i was like how does she know how to do that it was more so 
like just how quickly she was able to come up with those ideas. Her like, is there something? Right. Was there anything in particular that, like, you felt was completely implausible? Because to me, it just felt like, you know, she was clever, maybe more clever than anybody would be in that situation right. for sure. But I mean, it was never like, I my response was never, yeah, right, you know. So. Uh, I probably should have written down the more individual <laughs> ones. I don't think anything was like, no one would ever possibly do that unless they like read it in the script. Like, for example, when she wraps her feet in the wedding dress or when she wrapped her wrist immediately in the tie or when just like every one of those clever moves that she was making, I wouldn't even have minded it if she took a second to stop and think and go, oh, no, or... what do I need to do next? It was just like she knew exactly what she needed to do anytime any problem arose, like at any moment. And it felt inauthentic and really took me out of the movie and did disrupt my, you know, suspension of disbelief. And then the fact that she's carrying around this man upstairs through the snow, no shoes on, it just, it didn't feel i mean could you imagine either of you two carrying around a you know 170 150 pound person behind you up a flight of stairs i mean it would be very difficult but could you do that i don't think you could (laughs) yeah i think i could and how how could matt you i I wasn't really talking to you you think you can do a lot of things you can't do (laughs) You think you can fight a warthog? It's not like you you don't have a good concept of your own strength. <laughs> well, so uh, to agree with you though, I do I think she could carry him upstairs maybe like once? Yes, I do. But I think she would be so totally exhausted and like wouldn't be able to continue to do it repeatedly. Like stamina yeah, like is the, not really sh- an issue for her. The strain right. on her wrist? I yeah. mean, that to me was like a little too much, but again, I get it was like, I mean, part of the whole like being chained to him was like kind of a silly metaphor for their relationship. Literally. But then, yeah. <laughs> but then on top of that, like, it's like the plot device or like the whatever. Um, so you go along with it. But the whole time you're thinking like, there's no fucking way she's just like able to move around with this body. And then like once the the two like intruders come or whatever you want to call them the two like villains like that just makes it even more difficult for her but yet she's still able to manage and it like to matt's point i was never like oh fuck this movie like i can't believe what i'm seeing right now but i still feel like there's some of that where you're like you have to suspend your disbelief to go along with it right like when she knows to immediately lay down in the snow to hide herself that was that was silly. Well, like, yeah. It just, again, the, the snow is like not even a foot tall. It's not that tall. Right. Yeah. That was some, first of all, that's some Looney Tune shit. Like that didn't make any sense. And second of all, there was no like looking around. What do I do? It was like emergency. Cool. I'm already. I know what to do next. Lay down in the snow. That guy's got tunnel vision. Yeah. Oh, also. Um. Not to, you know, get ahead of myself too soon, but there was, like, no trivia on this movie other than, um, did you guys know that... Are you uh, surprised by that? 
I am not. I am not. But, you know, I always try to add something, and I was like, there's literally nothing other than this lame-ass trivia fact, which isn't even trivia. Did you guys know that Jimmy is Tim Roth's son? Oh, my God. I literally, when I was watching it, I was like, that looks like Tim Roth's little brother or something. It literally is his son, for real? Right. It's literally his son, for real. That's awesome. As soon as I saw him, I was like, man, he looks like Tim Roth. Yeah. And Jimmy is like one of the best parts of those scenes. I think he actually makes you like care about him and his death. While very intense, I was like, oh, that's sad. Poor Jimmy. And then Kurt Kurt was watching it with me and he goes, looks like he's going to be hanging around for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. But I cannot. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up. So like I, I, I thought. Like, I, I don't know how big the budget was for this movie, but I thought it did a pretty good job with, <clears throat> I'm not going to call them kills, because it's not really that kind of movie, but there's some, like, pretty good gore effects in the movie, and, like, mm. you know, like, the hand, like, her, like, bashing it with uh, the, the, the boat anchor, and, like, you know, the guy's, uh, the husband's like face, like, I do think yeah. there's some, there's some good stuff in this movie and i like i do think there are some some clever um like scenes that the screenwriter was able to come up with like okay so i was gonna say you you can tell that this was a screenplay where the screenwriter the initial thought like the spark was the metaphor of what if a woman is literally handcuffed to her you know what if her husband kills himself and she's literally handcuffed to him right and she has to carry around his his dead weight you can tell that that was probably like the catalyst for the 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 conceit of the movie and then all the other stuff is just built around that but i do Mm. think there's some clever stuff that as a result of that like it feels to me like a writer trying to come up with clever ways to like stretch out this idea to a feature length film, right? Like for example, I thought it was really clever early on in the movie where she tries to shoot the, the handcuff with the gun and it only had one bullet in it. And she just like throws it under the bed. Right. And then later in the movie, he, the Jimmy finds the gun and we as the audience know that there's no bullets in the gun, but I thought that was a really interesting way to build tension because we know there's no bullets in that gun. So we, there's many ways this situation could go. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was, was clever. Um, just just stuff like that. Like, those little moments that clearly were just... They built the script and the story out of that idea. But some of it works better than others. But I, I admire that about it. Yeah, I think that that moment was interesting. And it did give tension. But by that point in the movie, I had kind of... I don't want to say given up, but like, let's say if I was waiting for my oil to get changed, I might have like focused more on like <laughs> the shop that was around me, you know, like I was, I was pretty disengaged by that point. So any little cool, clever moments like didn't ring as true or as well, because I was just like, I, yeah, I don't really care anymore. I'm just kind of waiting. I'm waiting for this 88 minute movie to be done, which is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It does feel it's one of those 88 minute movies that feels a little long in the tooth just because you like if you really think about it, there's not that much that actually happens in this movie. 
it's a tension building mechanic, right? Like there's her moving around the house and the it, it cutting to the the bad guys and it's like quiet and they're moving really slow and then it cuts to Megan Fox and she's like breathing heavy and you're like, oh, they're going to catch her, you know? Like they're very much milking what little like story and, and action is in this movie. So it... I like I I I never got bored, but it definitely it's a long ninety minutes. <laughs> I would say that. I didn't feel like it was too long, but maybe that's because I was watching it when I literally had nothing else better to it do. It just made your oil <laughs> changes fly by. Yeah, I mean there was also, nothing interesting going on in that waiting room, so my eyes <laughs> were full attention to the screen. <laughs> side note: Do do oil changes take an hour and a half or more? Uh, when you go to the dealership, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I don't think I've ever gone. I don't. I shouldn't say that. I haven't gone to get my oil changed in a very, very long time. And so I just, I don't know. Do they? We don't need to get into this now. <laughs> it's it's just, more interesting than this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm really done. I'm done talking about this movie, and I really just want to know about what what Travis and I love. I love to like. find out that this wasn't even really Paris's pick, so I don't even have to feel bad for shitting on it. That's the best part. Yeah. You don't. I I was mad at myself. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's give star ratings. I guess. Um, Travis. Oh, I, I'll just say one last thing. Um, I don't mean to sound like the jaded movie person, but the reason why I'm more so negative on this than, I don't know, than, than Matt or just in general is just because I don't have time for movies like this anymore, you know? I've seen too many of them. Yeah. There's way too many better movies out there where, like, a movie to just be, like, entertaining enough or, like, you, like I'm not that bored where I'm like, you know what, it... I wasn't bored for 90 minutes of my life, so it's pretty good. <laughs> I, I don't buy right. into that. It's got to be, it's, yeah, There's. it's, it's got to do something for me, and it just didn't. So, two stars. I, I agree with you, but it, it did, it did for me. <laughs> I agree There's with the sentiment. to the rule. <laughs> I agree with the sentiment. I don't agree with that take on this movie. <laughs> I think it's better than that. Fair enough. Uh, I, hmm. you guys are making me want to give it a three and a half, but I'm going to go with a three. I'm going to give it a three. You want to give it up? I really to want to give it a three and a half, but it's not. Petty, it's not. Petty bitch. It's not. It's a, this is a three star movie. Yeah. So I disagree. I think it's a two star movie because, uh, this movie is fine. The production value is not bad. There are some interesting things that happen, I guess. I just really, again, like, I i don't think I've had a shorter movie that I was like, when are we done with this? I checked the time at 40 minutes in and was like, okay, I guess it's halfway through. <laughs> like, I was, I was done. I was ready to go. Guess I'm not getting my vampire movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess no vampires are showing up at any point now, so I don't care. <laughs> sure. uh, wait, what is the other one called? I will have to watch that. Night Teeth. Night Teeth. Well, it's a terrible name, and from the reviews, it sounds like maybe not a good movie, but you guys know me. Sometimes when stuff is extra bad, that makes it better. That elevates it a little bit. Do you plan on subjecting us to that in the future? 
No, probably won't do it for the pod since we just did two uh, the Fox movies um, back to back. But um, I might just watch it on my own for fun, not for obligation. <laughs> Appreciate it. I was trying to think of another actress named Megan so I could say like Megan the Foster or something. But Megan I, Mullally. I, I can't. Yeah, she's not really a movie person, though. I mean, she's been in movies, but... What? She's been in more movies? What are you talking about? <laughs> As a lead, though? <laughs> yeah, like a bunch of movies. What Megan Mullally, what are you talking about? Name one movie oh, where she's the lead. I was not thinking of Megan Mullally. You're right. I was Who thinking, thinking of... of? Um, well, I don't remember because <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Megan Mullally. Um, she was in um, fucking Bridesmaids and other Rose Burns. No, um, Kristen. Um, no, Maya Rudolph. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. I was getting the double M alliteration. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> A little different. Uh, well, How is there? Is there really not mind. another famous Megan actress? I really can't think of one. Travis, come on, movie buff. Mm, you got anything Megan... for me? Megan. Meg Ryan. Megan Does Good. She... That's a person. Her right? Full name. Megan Good Megan. is an American actress and model. Megan Good is in <laughs> The Intruder. To bring it back to Dion Taylor. There oh, we go, sh- baby. All right. Full, Full circle. circle. Hell yeah. <laughs> We're done. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Jennifer's Body. So this film is directed by Karen Kusama, written by Diablo Cody. Plot synopsis is a newly possessed high school cheerleader turns into a succubus who specializes in killing her male classmates. Can her best friend put an end to the horror? Film stars Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, Adam Brody, Chris Pratt, J.K. Simmons. It's huge. What a, what a cast. Does, does it star Chris Pratt? No, does he make but a small cameo? I'm, sc- I'm scanning through the cast list. and uh, Chip is Johnny Simmons. Who gives a fuck? Sal Cortez is Chaz. I don't even know who Chaz is. So, yes, I skipped some names there, but uh, a lot some some bangers on this cast list. Jennifer's body. Um, who wants to go first on Jennifer's body? I went first the last time, so I'll leave it up to one of you. I'll go first on this one because I have a lot to say. All right, let's hear it. And do you have some trivia for us? I I hope so. I do have some trivia, although I think the big trivia about this movie we're probably all going to talk about is the poor marketing. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll get into that before I even get into the movie. The The marketing on this movie was actual trash. It was marketed to teen boys and based on nothing more than, I guess, Megan Fox's hotness. And that is totally the opposite message of this movie this movie is very feminist it is intricate into women and feminine femme issues and all kinds of interesting stuff and so the people that like 
like me, for example, I would have wanted to see this movie when I was younger, but the way it was marketed, I was like, no, thank you. Horror movie, Transformers, whatever. Don't care about this. <laughs> um, and then the people who it was marketed to, teen boys, were like, this movie is trash. This is not for us. So that was the big, the big thing there. But here's the thing, not to blow my load too early, but I friggin love this movie. I think it has its flaws, but it just hit all the right notes. It's got ladies. It's got queer baiting. It's got everything. Was this the first time you were seeing this movie? It was, right? Yes, I had not seen this movie. I, I basically came up with this theme to watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew I knew you would uh, you would really like it. Um, I I also really really like this movie. Um, I saw it for the first time a little over a year ago um, and really, really enjoyed it. Um, didn't go up or down on a rewatch. Um, I have kind of a love-hate relationship with Diablo Cody. Um, just some of her writing just really rubs me the wrong way. And there is some of that in this movie, just like really corny lines. Um, you give me such a wetty. The teen slang. Yeah, the, the teen, the teen <laughs> slang, I think, got annoying, but also could be taken in a different way. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, and I mean, there's also stuff, like, I, I don't hold this against a movie from this era, but, like, there's a couple characters who, like, use the R word and there's some like kind of homophobic jokes yeah. in there too. And it's like, it, you know, it, that was the time. Like, I'm not going to say that it's okay, but I'm also not going to hold it against the movie. Cause that, that was just part of the culture at the time. Honestly, uh, I was surprised to hear the R word in this movie as many times as we did. I want to say it was at least like, well, probably like two probably or three. Like times. three, yeah. I was gonna say about like three times. Like two and a half, yeah. There was one but time just, where it was used just for in combination with another word. What the movie's trying to go for and stuff, like I feel like it's a little like not necessarily like woke, but maybe a little ahead of its time, or maybe like, you know, right on the, the cusp of uh the changing of times, but it just felt weird mm. to have this like you know, like this, like female-led, driven movie, but then also just like throw around the R word, like it's totally cool. But mm -hmm. again, it has and to I do with the time. They also <laughs> say sure. like the slur for gay men, right? I'm pretty sure they use that at least once. Do that probably. I I thought I thought so, but I I think that part of why, like Matt said, like I don't. Obviously, I don't condone that or think it was okay. I think they, you know, could have done without it and it would have been fine. But I think it doesn't impact me as much in this one because I feel like it's almost like a satire of that. Do you guys know what I mean? So I, I get what you're saying. So that's, that's how it felt sometimes, specifically with Jennifer's character. Um, right. But other times I didn't feel that way. Like... I don't know. There were times where I was like, oh, that character would totally say that. But then other times it just felt like it was being played for laughs. And, you know, in 2009, probably would have made me laugh. But, you know, that's why I don't really right. hold it against the movie because it's like some of this stuff is shit I would have thought was funny when I was, you know, an 18-year-old boy 
or you know when this movie came out 2009 yeah an 18 year old mm-hmm. boy an 18 year old man uh would have loved that shit Ew, gross <laughs> but um i think that if this movie is definitely ahead of its time and fuck it's just so stylish and killer soundtrack like multiple times there would be like a, you know a needle drop type moment with a, a song kicking on and i would be like fuck yeah like killer soundtrack really good um like style like it doesn't feel like karen kusama's like second movie like it feels very um like she knows exactly what she's doing it feels very intentional and very of its like it felt unique like it, it didn't seem like it was she was trying to be derivative like it felt like cool and even now you know what i mean like i can't imagine seeing this yeah. how i would have felt like i really don't know how i would have felt about this movie had i seen it in 2009 when it first came out like i think i would have liked it i think i would have no you baby matt 2009 i don't think you would have i think i probably would have it. it's yeah. a horror movie it's got Megan Fox in it. I mean, I might not have liked it for all the right reasons, but yeah, right. There are like, I do think it's funny. Like I was fucking dying here. I, I put it in my notes. So there's a moment early on. In the f- <laughs> there's a moment early on in the film where the teacher, um, JK Simmons, he, he's announcing um, like who died at the, the bar. Right. And he's right. talking about how the Spanish teacher died. And Jennifer goes, no way, Erickson ate shit? <laughs> just the delivery of that line. It's just like the timing this, of it. I this movie laughing is, so hard. This movie is like really, really funny. And I think it's it's sort of that kind of humor where it almost like sometimes can take you a second to be like, wait, did she just say that? Like, it's so 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 funny it hits all the right beats and like it does have amazing music and i felt like it was very as someone who graduated in 2010 i was like it felt very accurate it felt very of that time but not overly so like i forget his name but the emo kid that she murders i was like oh i dated that guy like that was all very (laughs) very accurate and very also encapsulation of like this weird teen especially like female teen vibes oh for sure and the movie is very um like what's the word i'm looking for not sentimental like this movie actually cares about its characters you know like it's not just a bunch of dumb horny teens like diablo cody obviously you know has uh, sympathy isn't the right word either like it, it feels very considerate like it doesn't feel like right. these characters they are tropes in a very surface level sense like the main characters i mean you have uh jennifer and needy like that's like you know the the promiscuous popular girl and the nerdy girl right the madonna like, and the whore yeah right so like on its surface very tropey but they don't feel tropey it's empowering i guess is maybe the word i'm looking for like it doesn't shy away from the sexuality it doesn't like it portrays these 
characters as like fully fledged human beings and not just like stupid teenagers. You know what I mean? Like they're allowed to feel a wide range of emotions and it just like feels very much like a movie. It's it's funny that you, you, you mentioned the marketing and how it was met. It was marketed for, you know, teen boys. Like the, the, the sad part is that I do feel like this movie kind of is for teens in one way. It's just, I don't know if it was because the way it's marketed, people went into it expecting one thing, but if you just like erase those expectations, like I do think this movie at its core is kind of maybe not for teens, but am I making any sense? You know what I'm trying to say? (laughs) I mean, yeah, it should play to them. It's definitely, I mean, yeah, it's like an entry into the like teen high school like genre or whatever like it's but not it's not condescending genre. towards teens you know what i mean like i could see a teenager watching this at that time and being like this totally feels like it was made for me like or, right. or by people them, like me it treats the teenage characters with a level of respect and kindness that i think a lot of movies lack and they kind of dismiss them or over adultize them or whatever yeah um and it's just as a horror movie it works pretty well too like it's not a scary movie but like the um there's a you know a decent amount of money went into it so it looks really good there's some good gore sequences like when megan fox is like scooping the blood out of the emo kid's tummy like oh yeah good shit Anytime um, she opens her mouth like too far where her jaw disengages, I was here for it. And mm-hmm. then the shot of her swimming in the lake after her second kill, the, the the football player kill. Yes, in the woods, yeah. I was obsessed with that. So good. Just the way it looked or? Yeah, it was just really well, I don't know, just the shot above where you can almost just tell it's her swimming naked through the lake it just was really beautiful and the music that came through was really good and it just i don't know it almost like seemed like it belonged in a better movie you know that's and that's why i think a lot of the direction in this is like really good because or it elevates the movie i guess from just like a basic teen horror whatever yeah yeah for sure um i also think megan fox is amazing in this movie like she is so good as that character like yes the the whole point of the movie is that she's like using her sexuality to like you know prey upon these these boys at her school but it like you know obviously i was never a teen girl at any point but like it you know it felt came across to me as being very empowering while still being a, a genre movie. You know what I mean? Like, I think the best, right. the thing that I most admire about this movie is that it never forgets that it's a horror movie, you know? Like, if there's all this stuff going on and all these, um, you know, these these themes and these characters who are very well written and interesting, but it's always about this, this man-eater, right? And it's this, like, play between these, like, super graphic horror scenes with this you know these scenes of these teens saying quirky shit and you know hanging out with each other and it's an interesting mix and i think it works almost perfectly not a perfect movie but um incredibly well 
Totally. Matt, you done with your initial impressions? We're still... That's initial impressions? <laughs> well, you never gave me a chance to talk. Oh, fuck. Did you not? <laughs> Holy shit. Damn. Uh, I mean, it's Four okay. It's yours, not the first bud. time it's uh, happened. Got him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm a bad host. Uh, All right, Travis. Yeah, I mean, no, I think you're a pretty good host, but sometimes you do forget about little old me. <laughs> yeah, speak up, oh. bud. Uh, it's hard to get a word in with you two chatterboxes. All right. I'm going to mute uh, myself. Go ahead. Well, you guys took all the fucking low-hanging fruit, so I guess I'll just talk about <laughs> my uh, dissertation on Jennifer's body and the uh, female... No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I think this is a pretty fun teen high school horror comedy. Um, don't think it's a perfect movie for some of the reasons you guys have pointed out. Um, but it is a lot of fun. Um, I do like the the script, like how witty and quirky it is, um, but sometimes it is to a detriment. Like, I think she goes, a li- Diablo Cody goes a little too far with some of the, like, of her own language um, that we were introduced um, with um, Juno. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think the script is pretty smart and there are like some funny moments and some good lines of dialogue, but then there's just, yeah, those few that I think just go a little too far and they just feel kind of like corny or just bring attention to themselves. Um, I do like the dynamic between the two leads quite a bit. I do think it is a little tropey, but the thing that separates it from being a trope is the like added like genre element to it. Um, but just like how, like, it's the hot popular girl, she acts like she, you know, has it all or is perfect, but deep down she's kind of insecure, and she, like, pushes that all on the the needy or nerdy character. Um, but, yeah, I just like the way it plays with that throughout the movie. And, um, yeah, I think the the main thing I like about it is just, like, I mean, I feel like there's a few metaphors you could pull from this movie, but just like how it's almost like the the women or the woman taking power uh, yeah. from like the creepy like men or predators of the world and then like using her body as the weapon rather than like her body being the victim as like it always is in those scenarios or usually is in those scenarios. Mm-hmm. So I just like that like play on that metaphor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think that kind of plays into like the title too, where it's not just like Jennifer or whatever. It's like, it's all about like her body transforming from being something that's being victimized to being something that's utilized for her own empowerment. I totally get that. I also like when you were talking about the dynamic of the two main characters, I also wanted to touch on some little more trivia. Um, So originally the movie had a lot more of the queer, like, you know, by to lesbian action scenes in it. Like, I think in the original cut or maybe even the original script, um, Needy and Jennifer, like, full-on have a sex scene versus just, like, kissing with, like, close-up on their lips. And, like, I could have done with more of that because I kind of like that exploration of, like, 
also, like you talked about, like Jennifer's kind of insecure and blah, blah, blah. But even when she turns into this demon thing and she's like attacking these boys, the football player aside, I think everything was like also like targeted toward needy. And it wasn't about the boys at all. It was like for needy and to like prove to needy that she could be the best or be a sexual object for these people or something or take care of them or in the, in a, like a violent way or something. But I thought it was really interesting that like there's a lot of like queer undertones in this as well. And like, I don't know, I could have done with more than more of that, I think. I don't think audiences were ready for that in 2009. <laughs> I think you're definitely right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, you know, someone wasn't willing to make a movie or, you know, not willing to green light that type of movie in 2009. Right. Like maybe studios weren't quite ready to be like, this is a gay movie about women, but not in a way that you're supposed to like get off to. There can be a kissing scene because that's hot, but anything more than that, it gets a little too dicey. Too gay. Yeah. (laughs) Then you got the Westboro Baptist Church uh, crashing your movie premiere, and you don't want that. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Totally, totally could have been more gay, but like, it's 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 definitely there. But I do think a lot of it is pretty superficial. Like I know it's I know it's an iconic line, but. It read to me as a little corny at, at the very end where she's like, oh, you know, when she's she says, I, sw- I, I go both. I ways go both ways. It's like, oh, oh, get it. Yeah, sure. But. <laughs> that was the most Good like, pe- I felt like that was the most obvious of it all. But yes. like everything well, it else was explicit. is a lot more coded. Yeah, yeah a for more sure. Explicit. I like f- for that to be the only like explicitly queer or even just not, you know non-hetero leaning moment for that character right. it was for it to literally just be like i go both ways like that's just that's also just so of also, its time too you know yes, like oh i go I both ways that's not really the only like after she's done like making out with needy and he's like whatever and she's like oh whatever i can't come over here and we can't play boyfriend girlfriend like we used to to me that was like oh they've definitely like hooked up or used to or or something along those lines, like separate from their hetero male relationships, you know? And that was something that like Needy was like, the look in her eyes was like, don't talk about that. Like we don't talk about it, you know? And I thought that was a lot more queer coded than I go both ways, which just felt very like playing to the audience. Yeah. I I feel like they also allude to that like I, I can't remember what the exact words but wasn't i i read that as a reference to um that scene where they're like little kids and jennifer is like the barbie doll and dd Dee is like the the ugly ugly friend but they're not or whatever. playing boyfriend girlfriend she says we always like she references it when they like have sleepovers like yeah they're sleeping in the same bed playing boyfriend girlfriend Matt, that is gay. I don't know what to tell you, but like that's gay. No, I'm not saying it's not. Like I <laughs> I'm saying there there are those moments that are in the that are in the film. Um but there's just I wish there was more of it. But to Travis's point, I don't know if that mm-hmm. if that version of this movie could have been made in 2009 anyway. Nowadays sure, people would would love that's it. That's fair. But, um yeah. I just wish there was was more of it. Like I I feel like this movie kind of at this point anyway, now that it's kind of become like a cult classic, like it 
has a reputation for being that like this like kind of this not an explicitly queer film but it, it is queer beloved sure. within uh the, the community of you know whether it's it's lesbian or just non I, what do i say non-hetero like non-binary like there's a a specific um appreciation for this film among what's the word the queer community i guess is the easiest way of saying it yep, yep. and it's um i don't know i i guess i expected more of that watching it but putting it in perspective it definitely makes more sense because this this was a, a studio film like right it's not like this really? is some like random indie film you know like right megan fox had been in transformers already they're really putting the l in lgbtq plus <laughs> right <laughs> I do want to point out that um, I do think they're, I mean, I get that their relationship is kind of, you know, or yeah, I guess the relationship seemed a little extreme to me. I get it was like in service of the plot or the movie. And I know relationships and friendships like this exist, but it just seemed like Jennifer, Megan Fox's character was doing everything she could to just belittle her essentially best friend. And like they've been, best friends for this long it's like nothing happened along the way for you to like realize that this girl wasn't good for you or like her parents never oh, stepped in like unless i completely miss something but it just like and again i get relationships like that exist but like it just felt a little too extreme so i can't speak for all teen girls but as someone as the only person on this podcast who was a teen girl at any point <laughs> I can say that that is extraordinarily common, not just for me, but for lots of uh, people that I'm close with now that we've talked about, like, past relationships. And not just in high school. Like, there is... Uh, Women-to-women relationships tend to be complicated, and if you don't have enough confidence in yourself, and not even confidence, but enough, like, security in yourself to be like, hey, I don't like that you're treating me poorly or whatever... Because usually it's also that the other person doesn't have enough, like, self-security to, like, not put you down as their friend. I don't know, man. Like, that read very true for me. Not just in high school, but also, like, in younger relationships that I and other people I know and love have been in. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I just, and again, it's a movie. And it's a genre movie, you know, as well. But it still just seemed a little too extreme. And, like, Needy's character seemed pretty smart not saying that you know other women or you are not smart paris but um it just seemed like (laughs) no it just it just seemed a little too extreme um just like her actions but again we're dealing with a genre movie so maybe it's it's fitting i i think that's intentional like i think it, it sure it may be a little elevated in this film but i do think it's getting at something that is very specific to two teen girls like a yeah, just like to, a like, toxic a, relationship not even necessarily that just like you know young girls are or can be very insecure and you also have to remember and that, they're socialized to be in competition with each other so there's yes. always a level of oh yeah well i get that aspect of it but it doesn't ever well, seem like Needy's character is ever competing with Jennifer's character. She's not They're trying like two to. Completely different people. Yeah, man. I don't know. I don't know how better to explain it, but like, it. No, I understand very... what you're saying. I just. 
no, no, no. I don't. I don't mean that. I don't mean you're not standing. It re- it just rang very true for me. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. It was definitely an exaggerated version of that, for sure. Yeah, it, it's taking. It's basically like taking it, putting it under a microscope. The relationship of these two girls, because like, you would think that if anything, Needy would be the one who was jealous of Jennifer, but right, that's not the so like they're they're and it's intentional that Nini is not belittling to Jennifer. She's a good person, and you would think, why would Jennifer be mean to her friend? But it's because she's even though she is uh, obviously very attractive and confident, or at least outwardly confident, very surface, very insecure, surface level, yeah, yes, and that's why the dynamic. I think that dynamic is definitely elevated for dramatic effect, but I do think at its core, it's getting at something that, and that's part of what I alluded to when I said that it seems like this would be a movie that would resonate with teens in 2009, specifically teen girls, because that, that felt very real to me. Obviously I don't have that lived experience, but it felt very um, true to life and organic in that sense of how, you know, they interact with one another. I get your point, Uh, Travis, for sure. And that kind of leads to the end of the movie. And I don't know what you guys exactly think about the the ending ending um, or what it's like supposed to represent. But um, what I kind of took it as was that Needy, because she kind of, well, she gets uh, Jennifer's powers transferred over to her, just like, you know, a little bit of them or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And I took that as like Needy finally having like, confidence or whatever in herself and so it was like the wherewithal to stand up for herself totally yeah and like i think the movie is a little loose with its metaphors or what it's trying to say at times but i think that was what the goal was was her transferring that over to her in a way yeah i I like i like that and i agree with like your reading of it I, i i do think the beginning of the movie is a little a little much with her like fucking kicking that nurse yeah. in the yeah. chest and like I, I forgot the movie uh, was bookended like, by those scenes. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that, and I was like, "Wait, what is this movie?" Because that first scene, that whole first part where she's like, "Some people love me, some people want to pray for me." I'm kicking nurses. Like I was just like, "What are you <laughs> doing here?" <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but. Um... You know, thematically, I think it's it, it's interesting, and I agree with your take on it. But um, I would prefer that that opening to not be in the movie, though. Yeah, because it does kind of. I mean, it does kind of spoil where it's going a little bit. It, that's a very Diablo Cody thing, though. Like the the narration, because there's really not a there's barely any narration in the film except for the most part in those bookends, you know what I mean? Where right. her character is literally narrating and it's like, you know, to have those bookends on the film, like that just feels like a Diablo Cody thing. Yeah. To but me. we start with needy's character, like in an, what, like an asylum or prison or whatever. But then, so we know like, one, she survives and two, she, something happens that ends her in the asylum. Yeah. yeah and then, like, you know, you like smash cut to the beginning of the movie or whatever, like the introduction of needy's character and it's like, oh, so this character somehow gets into that scenario and then you just like start thinking or asking questions. <laughs> I think that that was more like of the time almost. I think that that was kind of 
would have been very fit in with other movies of the time, but I agree with you, Travis, 100%, that I think the movie could have benefited from not having that in the beginning. It also emphasizes the arc of the character by showing up front the end result, you know? It, that That is a very... Um, yeah, that's a common trope, you know what I mean? Like, when you have such an extreme character arc, like, to cut from this chick who just, like, kicked a nurse in the chest and she's bleeding everywhere and she's, like, fighting off these these wards in the psych hospital or the prison or whatever to jump, like you said, smash cut to, like, nerdy girl with glasses and, you know, she's, like, very kind of mousy and unassuming. Like, the, thematically, I, I think that's very intentional, like to have those those bookends so you can like the because otherwise it's it's a more gradual change right like you can show the like the harshness of that transition by doing it that way i don't necessarily like it but i think it's intentional it's what that's what she was going for yeah and i guess it it's more forgiving in the type of movie this is and like how much of a genre movie it really is yeah Mm mm-hmm so um, I did want to say that um, when I was looking stuff up for this movie, both Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried separately have said that this was their favorite movie that they've ever made, which I thought was really telling of kind of like, despite the fact that at the time it critically did pretty poorly, they both really like stood behind the movie and like liked what it, they were saying with it. But if just kind of looping back to the what we were talking about, the marketing thing, I also saw. So the director in a 2016 interview with the New York Times, she said that um, the all male marketing department of the studio misunderstood the movie so much that one (laughs) of their ideas was for Megan Fox to do live chats with amateur porn sites. And that she begged them not to even mention the idea to Megan Fox because, quote, she will become so dispirited. It was crushing. And I just feel like that's just such a good encapsulation of how the studio did not understand what the fuck this movie was and really just marketed the crap out of it to the wrong people in the wrong way. Yeah. And that's, you know, that just totally epitomizes like that era in the culture like Megan Fox was hyper sexualized after Transformers, even in Transformers, to a, to a fault, hyper sexualized. But it was just that makes that that makes sense, right? The guys who were trying to see how they can make money from this movie, these you know, male probably white males in this executive boardroom, this marketing boardroom, they probably saw you know Megan Fox making out with. Amanda Seafried and Megan Fox unzipping her sweater, you know, it's just like, oh, we can definitely sell this to to teen boys. This is gonna be huge, you know. And that's it's not just to so say the cynical. movie's not right. And that's not to say the movie's not sexy or whatever, but it's it's oh, yeah. just it's almost a satire of using that sexiness in horror movies and playing it against the trope. Well, you can be you can yeah. be sexy and empowering at the same time, and that's that's what that's how exactly. I feel about Megan Fox in this movie. You know? Yeah, Matt. I I don't know about you. I, it sounds like you also felt sexy and empowered by this movie. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, I read somewhere I didn't make the connection, but um, like half the trailer or half of a trailer that exists for this movie is the kissing scene, and like right. Oh god, <laughs> that scene doesn't. 
you know, warrant like half or the majority of a trailer. That's not going to get the point of the movie. It's not going to like, I guess it's going to help sell the movie because you're going to be like, it's oh, gonna, Megan Fox. But it's going <laughs> to attract it to people that are like, oh, Megan Fox is looking hot. I'm going to go see this movie. Yeah. And that's <laughs> not what the movie's about. But yeah. that is the reason why she was cast in Transformers and kind of got her spotlight. I mean, not to discredit her, but that's definitely why she was cast and why people took note of her in the first place. I think she has more to that. offer think... than just her, you know, looks, but for, as far as like an actor goes, um, yeah. but that's definitely what like caught people's attention. I think you could say that about any attractive actor or actress at any point in their career. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. Think yeah, but that... I'm just saying, like, to sell this movie because it was like basically the first movie after Transformers. So it's like, of course, people are going to try and take that angle when selling the movie because that's what the angle was taken in her previous movie. So it's like they're just trying to like sell Megan Fox through Jennifer's body. Not the people who made the movie, the people who are trying to sell the movie. Not saying right. it's like right. They're literally okay, trying to sell that's... Jennifer's body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> what they were doing. Yeah, it's it's gross and cynical, but you know, I'm I'm very glad that this movie has kind of come out the other side of this being, you know, a movie that people actually recognize as being not just a great movie, but you know. Uh, giving Megan Fox her credit because I feel like I said it earlier like I think she's fantastic in this movie like she's she's she really is. good um, and it just makes you sad wondering you know like what might have happened with her and it's like now we have to see her dating Machine Gun Kelly and it's just like ugh. I literally <laughs> cannot even talk about this with you guys it's just an Angelina Jolie Billy Bob, Bob Thornton, Thornton wearing vials of blood around their neck like cult celebrity is cyclical culture is cyclical everything is everything is trash everything is dust we're fine it's it's (laughs) doesn't sound like it yeah plot twist earlier when i said it was fine what what does that mean not fine guys (laughs) okay uh i don't have any other any other thoughts um was there anything you guys want to mention before we wrap this one up no. No. <laughs> All right. Well, Long let's pause there. Uh, let's drop star ratings. Um, first watch for me was a four point five. Second watch, it's a four point five again. Four stars for me. Four and a half stars uh, for this old guy. Like, I don't think there's anything we didn't quite talk about, but I think that while I love this movie, there was just a few small things that we we pretty much already mentioned, but there's just a few small things where I was like, uh, so 4.5 for me. We, we didn't even mention Adam Brody this whole time. We don't need to. He's I, fine. I feel like he was perfect for that role, though, right? He was. Like... <laughs> Adam Brody played that role better than anyone else could have. Especially so, like, at that time. <laughs> the, the cute, just fresh off the OC, the cute sem- semi-emo hipster boy who says he's from Brooklyn, but he's actually from a small town in who knows where, flyover Michigan. Definitely. Definitely Adam Brody. One last question for you guys. Uh, low shoulder. 
through the trees. Is it crap or does it slap? A banger. Okay. I thought, <laughs> okay, on first listen, on first listen, I was like, ugh, fucking 2009, dumb indie pop. I can't. After the fifth time they played it, I was like, do I love this song? <laughs> it's, yeah. I kind of like it. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Pretty good. They do go back to it a lot in the movie, though. Yeah. Well, Too much, but I feel like it's perfectly on the nose the way that they keep going back to it. Yeah. For a song written specifically for, like, an indie band in a movie, pretty good. Can't think yeah. of a better example. <laughs> All right. That is Jennifer's Body. Travis, it's your turn to pick next. What's in store for the next level feature? Have I got a double feature for us? Oh, yeah. Uh, no real fun theme here. It is a director double feature. Oh, you love director double features. Uh, it is Takashi Miike. Oh. And these both technically qualify as horror. I don't know how horror both of them are. I know one of them is definitely considered horror. The other one, I think, may be considered horror just for some of the imagery and maybe the uh, like the the killing that goes on within the movie. Uh, so mm. the two titles are Audition and Itchy <gasps> the Killer. Yes, nice. Audition. I'm so excited. That's been on my list forever. Um, so Audition is on Canopy and Itchy the Killer is on i think shutter and i also have it on my voodoo so fuck yeah dude i've only seen audition once and same i only remember one scene from it like literally the scene from audition so don't spoil it yeah i haven't seen it in forever but uh looking forward to rewatching it and then itchy the killer has always been one that I've been curious to check out, but just never have. Yeah, me too. How do you spell Itchy from Itchy the Killers? Is it I-C-H-I? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's going to be huge. All right. Well, can't wait. Uh, that's, that's what we got in store next time. So subscribe to the feed if you don't already. Keep an eye out for the next ep. It's going to be a fun one. Thank you, everybody, for listening. want to go ahead and give a quick shout-out to Kurt for producing the music for this wonderful little spin-off podcast we're doing here. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay spooky. Stay scared. And stay slaying. Stay slaying.